And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is J-Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays. No, it's on Monday. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my I'm gosh. My Andrew, mind. start over. I'm okay, let's start over. On Wednesdays. <laughs> So tired. Is my good friend Alex Pierce. Alex, oh, what's up? Uh, hey, Andrew, what's up? Hey, uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty big. This is probably the biggest Wednesday pod uh, since Bird Night, which wasn't even a Wednesday pod. Uh, in terms of like what happened just previously to the pod. Yeah, totally. Because I, I think we got. I mean, draft night was fun, but we didn't do Wednesday pod. That was a Friday pod. No Wednesday pod. Yeah, since Bird Night, this is the biggest one. They, I mean, I think we've all been kind of waiting a little bit to declare the Thunder like a rival. Like, are they really here? I don't know. They're pretty good, but are they that good? Are they actually going to get in the plane? Like, I don't know. Like, I've been predicting that they're not going to get there for weeks now. Uh, that was wrong. That was uh, that was a wrong prediction. You've seen enough. Uh. I have. I've seen enough, and I've also, frankly, seen enough of all the teams around them too. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is a Thunder and Western Conference take. This isn't just like Thunder in isolation. But man, that win last night was a statement win for the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was it was because if you th- if you think of them as a play-in team or a playoff team, like the Suns game, as fun as that was, mm-hmm. it was also a home game. No KD, no DeAndre Ayton. They were favored in the game. They should have won that game if they yeah. are that team. Yeah. Like, based on their net rating, they should win that game. Yeah. This game, on the road against a team that has a lot to play for, you know, trying to move up the standings to pass Phoenix. Yeah. Like, that – I mean, I still haven't – and and I we'll, – we'll see. Maybe going into Thursday, I'll feel more confident. But yeah. I still go into these games like this where I'm thinking, they'll, they'll probably lose. It'll probably be close. I thought that's what was going to happen last night. Yeah, and I'm still I still feel that way about this team. Even Kawhi taking the ball down the court with yeah, twenty so I was like okay, with like shot clock off, like all right, he's going to get to that elbow jumper and it's it's going to be curtains. Yeah, and Ludor said no multiple times. Multiple no. times he said no. <laughs> they said they they kept saying all right, we're going to get giddy onto Kawhi. He was like nope. Like, let's try it again. Giddy onto Kawhi. Nope. All right, one more time. Giddy onto Kawhi. Nope. Oh crap! There's no time left. 
he has to just he was so concerned with getting the switch that I think he actually lost track of the time. I, I it looks like he didn't know. It looks like he didn't have a plan beyond that. Yeah, he was like, like "All right, let me cook Josh Giddy and let's get this over with." And yeah, he was so tunnel vision. Yeah, because in my head when he's dribbling up the court, I'm thinking, okay, he's either going to do a pull-up mid-range or like something's going to happen and he's going to kick it out to one of these shooters in the corner and they're going to take a three. Yeah. And that wasn't even like on the menu at all. Like he never once was looked like he was considering passing the ball. Yeah. Which allowed Dort to have one of his best plays of the season, if not the best. Yeah. That, that sequence of Dort fighting over screens, which... Most teams would just switch. Like, we're just going to switch. We've seen, how many times have you seen it in the playoffs where it's best player on the court for the offensive team versus the best defender on the other switch. team? And then it's just barely a screen. And it's just right. like, all right, you, you, can have, you can have the worst defender now. Like, you can take <laughs> him. It, it happens all the time in the NBA. And it drives me absolutely insane because those guys should be doing what Lou's doing. You know, Lou could have just been like, all right, Giddy, we're going we're gonna to leave you out on an island. Good luck. You know, or, well, I just trust my teammates, you know, like, whatever. No, you don't. You know that you're, you know, like these best defenders on the team know that they're better and that they're better equipped to handle those guys. And Lou just kept fighting. It was, it was amazing. It was an amazing sequence. The fact that he didn't even get a shot off one, I think it was a lot of Dort, but then a lot of like what I said earlier, that it's just kind of a brain fart by Kawhi. You know, like yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing, Kawhi? You know, get to just get to a spot and rise up. Like you're a lot bigger. Your arms are a lot longer than Lou Dort. It's like you're gonna be able to get a shot off. It's gonna be difficult, but like just go get a shot. Or, you know, in most cases, guys will take a shot with like five seconds left. Just for the chance of an offensive rebound or just some other shenanigans that can happen if you're just if you're going to miss the shot. And I just think he absolutely lost track of time and a lot of it was because of Lou Dort. I just don't think he was anticipating Lou Dort's energy there at the end of the game. Yeah, and and it was a it was a weird game for Kawhi just generally yeah. because you see flashes of the old Kawhi like right off the bat in that first quarter. I mean, the Clippers looked like they should be a favorites for the championship. They were, they were so terrifying on defense and just offensively everywhere. Yeah, they were. I, I felt like they were pressing a little bit too hard to start the game. They didn't. <laughs> they they looked like the young team to start the game. Yeah, you know, like how many times did we see the young Thunder, like the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant teams, do stuff like that, where it was just like. All right, it's time to win the game right now, you know. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like yeah. Westbrook and Westbrook did a lot of that at the beginning of the game, where it was and I was just kind of sitting back thinking, okay, I'm not sure this is going to be sustainable, especially this kind of energy and effort yeah. is not going to be sustainable. And it was just funny to see the team, like the youngest team in the league, second youngest team in the history of the NBA, be the team that was like, all right, settle down. Like, yeah, we're, we're just going to wait this out. We're going to. This will not last. You can't play like this for 48 minutes. We are going to just get into our sets. And then they went on like an 18-5 to run and actually won the first quarter, which was crazy because I think they were down by as many as 14 at the beginning. Yeah, but but at the beginning, like there was that steal on Shea uh, by Kawhi. Yeah. 
um, which looked like like vintage oh, Kawhi. Yes. Just like yeah, yeah, the yeah. way he poked the ball out. But From then Shane, he gets yeah. in transition and you're like, man, he's not fast anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. They have plenty of time to catch up to him. And he drew the foul, so credit to him. But that was kind of what it was like with Kawhi, where you see these flashes of old Kawhi. You're like, wow, that guy's still really, really good. Mm -hmm. But then you also see like what just time has done with Kawhi or just the fact that he's having to play against someone like Lou Dort. Yeah. And Kawhi's been awesome for the past, you know, for multiple months in a row now. Yeah, he's been incredible. Um, And he's going to have to be continue to be like that, given what happened to Paul George, um, which we can talk about eventually. But yeah, that that comeback in the first quarter was kind of unbelievable watching it because when they were down whatever they were down like 18 to 4 it felt like they were down 40 yeah because they were just getting destroyed mm-hmm. on on both ends of the court mm-hmm. and then for them to come back and for them to take the lead with the lineup that was out there i mean imagine being told in october <laughs> that in a march game mark is going to throw out a lineup that is j-dub Isaiah Joe, Lindy Waters, Usman Jang, and Olivier Saar. You would have said, oh, that makes sense. They're tanking. It's yeah. March. <laughs> like, that's, that's a tanking lineup. Duh. That makes total sense. Yeah. And yeah. for th- this team to have come so far that that wasn't even my first thought. My first thought when I saw that lineup was, oh, this is really good for J-Dub. This, this lineup yeah, kind of forces him to be for a, aggressive. Yeah. Um, because and, and they needed that. Like we've been talking about how we want to see more lineups like that because it forces J Dub to be aggressive, and he was aggressive in that role. Mm-hmm. And he was generating great shots for his teammates. Not all of them went in, but they were able. I think when when he put that lineup in, they were down five, and then by the end of the quarter, they were up one. Yeah. Now by the time they subbed that lineup out, I think they were back down like three. So yeah. it, it ended up being like a plus two. But the fact that that lineup was just like a normal lineup. And honestly, I don't know if you could come. Obviously, you could take uh, uh, J Dub off the court and put someone else. But yeah. like, this is the state of the Thunder roster, where that's that would be like a back end roster lineup last year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a back end roster lineup this year is like, oh yeah, that's fine. We're playing it at the end of a first quarter in a crucial game, and yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird to see Olivier Saar out there for so much, but I kind of get you know surrounding J Dub with shooters. And then we'll see what Jang does. It was just, it was so bizarre to me. And that, that lineup was kind of emblematic of just how far this team has come. I mean, it was only yeah. a few weeks ago where I was complaining so much about Lindy Waters' minutes. Yeah. This was when he was still on the two way and they had yeah. signed uh, Omarui. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, these are the Lindy minutes. It's just normal Lindy minutes, getting some minutes. He's a great shooter. Uh, here we go. Yeah. It, it's, it speaks to the persistence that the Thunder have in staying to their own path because i think that any other team would be like okay look where we're at we're one game below 500 we're right here in the mix we could legitimately they've played well enough to get to the actual playoffs and not just the play-in game yeah and not just be like some cute play-in game and so their persistence in playing usman jang eight minutes where I think most other teams would be like, all right, cool, Jang, go play for the Blue. You know, the Blue are actually in town with the Thunder right now in L.A. Go ahead and go play with the Blue if you want to get some burn. Uh, we we need to play other guys. They're like, no, we're going to play him. They played Olivier Saar, <laughs> which <laughs> which is, is, that is to me, like that the, is still that, weird. That is the persistent Thunder is what it is. 
because it's like this idea, like when I say that, the idea is that we are going to continue to just tinker and we're going to throw stuff out there that we, I, I, I'm sure they were like, I don't know what's going to happen when we throw Olivier Saar out there. Let's find out. You well, know? and it was weird because when he first comes in, you're thinking, okay, well, this is a response to Jay Will getting these early fouls. Yeah. Maybe he felt like he needed some size against Zubats, and yeah. that's just what that is. But then he starts the second half. Played like, 19, oh, okay. so this, he played this 19 a, minutes last night in a this win. Is a spotlight game for Olivier Saar. Yeah, and he did fine. Like, he was fine. He wasn't great. Um, he did enough out there. He had a couple blocks. He... Well, yeah, he had a nice block on Kawhi. He had a couple nice passes. Yeah. Um, he he was – there was a point in that game where he was like a plus 15 in like <laughs> six minutes. And I was watching the game being like, I don't think this is because Olivier Saar. Yeah. Like, it, it, I'm watching this game, but they're, they're not losing these minutes. Like, yeah. He is, he is not detracting from what's on the court, apparently. Yeah. So I guess I just have to sit back and, and try to enjoy it. Yeah, and it's – I think this is how the Thunder are going to continue the regular season. I think once they get to the play-in or if they make the playoffs, I think that we'll see something different. I don't think that they're going to be like, all right, guys, let's develop. Who knows, man? And Who knows? I'm Playing game one, Olivier Saar starting. I, I feel pretty confident that the tinkering <laughs> will stop for those games. Um, but I don't think it's going to stop until we get there. And... You know, if you're the Thunder, I think that you sit back and say, why would we stop? We've been doing this literally the entire season, and it's helped us figure some things out. I mean, if they weren't tinkering at the beginning of the season like this, like, do they really know that Isaiah Joe is this good? You know, do they give him that? Do they give him the chance? Like, I don't, maybe they do. Maybe he just shows, shows off so much in practice that, that he elevates himself, but I'm not so sure that he, you know, at this point in the season, playing 27 minutes and you feel good about it. Um, yeah. This is just yeah. kind of how they got here is through all this like tinkering and like they're not going to stop and it's going to continue into next season. And honestly, they're, they're 500, Alex, and it's March 22nd. They're not just 500. They're 500, and all of the like expected wins models have them as like, oh, they probably should have won like 38 or 39 wins. Yeah. To be a team that is technically like underachieving based on some <laughs> of these models, because like when you look at their net rating, like they should have technically a better record. Like yeah. you would much rather be in this situation than a team like playing over its head. Like they are arguably underachieving right now. Like, they should fifth, have more wins. They're fifth in point differential in the Western Conference, better than the Clippers, Warriors, Mavericks, Timberwolves, Jazz, Lakers, Pelicans. All better than all of those teams. The only teams that have a better point differential is the Suns, Kings, Grizzlies, Nuggets. Yeah, That's they it. have they have like the underlying numbers of a fourth or fifth seed in yes. the West. Yes, which is is crazy, but that's also so exciting because that means. They're, and that's probably in part due to some of that tinkering that they're yeah. playing a little bit under where they should be. Yeah, could but be. then you add Chet into that, and now, of course, you, you can start thinking crazy. But going yeah. back to Joe, I do think he is like the exhibit A of this is why we tinker, as you mentioned. And last night was one of the best like all-around games I have seen from oh, Isaiah Joe. The, my favorite uh, sequence in that game yeah. was with four minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. And this is in a game where Shea starting at the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter is just like putting on a clinic in terms of getting to the rim. Um, Some it, of his like most ridiculous finishes 
we've seen yes. over and over again, Unreal. every single possession. Unreal. So we're in that kind of a game. And meanwhile, Isaiah Joe is going one-on-one with Kawhi Leonard and taking him and pulling up from mid-range and making it. And then on the very next play, stealing Steals the ball from, the from Kawhi. Kawhi. And gets the foul. Oh. Like, and then, oh, right after that was the play where, okay, this is this was, this was like Isaiah Joe's version of a heat check when he drove into the lane <laughs> and shot the floater yeah, yeah. that airballed. But then I forget who it was that got the rebound and kicked it out. And that's when we got the crazy J-Dub dunk. Yes. That was just like an incredible sequence of events. That was incredible. He also absolutely cooked Eric Gordon. I think this yes. was in the second yes. quarter. <laughs> I mean, he took him off the dribble, like jab step, jab step, like hezzy crossover floater. I was like, "Wait, who is that? Like, what just what 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 just happened? That was Isaiah Joe." And for him to do that on a night when you know, I think he shot two of seven from three. You know, it wasn't a good three point shooting night from Joe. And for him to show all these other things, and also defensively, like he continues to just hold up defensively. He continues to be solid when he needs to be solid. He actually had a couple of really nice plays last night where he was matched up. He ended up getting matched up one-on-one with either PG or Kawhi. I forget who it was. Yeah. And just kind of holding up. Um, Yeah, he he has been... I mean, he he takes charges. He rebounds. You got a charge on Westbrook. I mean, there... He got that huge offensive rebound towards the end of the game. Yes. I mean, he is contributing in every way. And... Like I have been hesitant to say he's a a piece of the future for the Thunder just because they're going to have so many picks and there's so much going on with them. But the, the the development from the beginning of the season to now that he's had, just part of it is the system that they play in. It just injects confidence into these guys. They get to touch the basketball a lot. They get to be a part of the action. He's really good off of screens. He's somebody that can score in isolation that we saw twice last night. Uh, I think this team, the coaching staff, and the players around him have made him a much better player. And I think that it's safe to say that he's like a he's a bench piece. He's kind of what we had hoped Trey Mann to be, honestly, a guy that can come yeah. in off the bench and get buckets. Um, he's that's, he's that's a, actually kind of wild. He's a more about. solid defender than Trey is. He doesn't lack confidence ever. Um, and a lot of that is the team he's playing for and just the guy that he is. I think, I mean, the Thunder have found another gem, and they have him really cheap for the next two years. And um, they're to the point where imagine how good another guy would have to play to be playing better than Isaiah Joe. Like that player would have to be really good night to night because Joe has been overall pretty consistent. Yeah. I mean, his three ball is obviously the highlight, but even on the games when his three ball isn't falling, he's giving you something else. Yeah. Which just makes me super confident about his future with this team. Yeah. Because he's not just like a one-trick guy. This isn't just like Duncan Robinson where he has to be shooting 45% from three or everything's going to fall off the cliff because there's not a lot else there. Yeah. Like he has so much else going for him. He's bringing it on both ends every night. Sometimes he's not big enough to guard some of the guys that he needs to. Yeah. Um, but he's not a starter, and he doesn't have to play 30 minutes a night. But I just think that he's he's somebody that, if you were predicting a playoff rotation for the Thunder, like he's firmly in that and is probably playing 30-plus minutes a night 
for the playoff thunder, which is yeah, he, something that he feels we'll like the sixth man right now on this team. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're going to see him every night. He's going to be relatively consistent. And now we're kind of starting to see some of those uh, traditional six man traits <laughs> with him, like cooking guys off yeah. the bounce somehow. Um, but yeah, that was such a weird game because once Olivier Saar got into the game, I'm thinking like, okay, I, I want them to go small eventually. And so like the whole game, I'm waiting for them to go small. I, I, I figure like it's got to be coming it's at some point. It's what they've been doing. It's how they beat the Suns. It's how they yeah. beat the Nets. And it's how, I mean, they're they're on a roll right now. I mean, they've won seven of nine. Their only losses came to Phoenix without Shea and J-Dub and then to the Raptors, which are like... Andrew, you got to give them one more. They've won eight of ten. They're eight and Have they won eight of ten? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. They've won eight of ten. Holy smokes. I mean, that's the best record over the last 10 games of any team in the NBA, yeah. tied with the Sixers. And you start, and like, this is where I f- feel a little, a tinge of just like, oh, man, I just wish Kendrick Williams didn't get hurt, <laughs> you know? And like, I also wish, man, I really wish Shea didn't get COVID because that five game losing streak that happened, that where we started to think, like, okay, yeah. well, maybe the sixth spot in the lottery is where we're headed. You know, where they lost to the Jazz Suns, Kings twice, and Lakers, you thought, oh man, like if they just got like two of those, you know, which would have not been awesome, but would have been fine if they just get two of those. I mean, they are at the sixth seed now, you know. They'd be in the fifth because they have the tiebreaker. Oh, yeah, they'd be at the fifth because they have the tiebreaker. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. And they, and all that said, like they still have a great shot because. They're going to play this Clippers team again on Thursday without PG, we assume. Then they play the Lakers. And then they have this run where, depending on what happens over the next couple games, I mean, uh, Dame has been talking about how he doesn't want to be shut down, but he's like aware of the idea. Whether they shut him down or not, that team stinks. It just doesn't matter. They can can easily win that game. I shouldn't say easily. They've lost six in a row. True. The Blazers I, I, I know. I, I still don't want to get ahead of myself. Clippers, Celtics, Knicks, they lost to the Pelicans. I mean, this is a tough schedule, Sixers and Celtics. You know, the last – I mean, they, they have been basically the opposite of the Thunder. I think they've been 2-8 in, in their last and 10. The only wins they have are against the Pistons and Magic. But if they can just get to that game – like, even if they lo- lose both of these next two games against the L.A. Which teams, is to- totally possible. Totally to have possible. Portland, Charlotte, Detroit, Indiana. I mean, that is a legit shot at 4-0. And if you do that, who knows where they are in the standings. Yeah. They, I had a, a friend of mine text me middle of last week. And he said, my prediction is that the Thunder will get the sixth seed you know, by the end of this. And I'm still thinking, like, okay, I just can't mentally get there yet. Uh, like, yeah. I won't even let myself mentally get there. Um it's not out of the realm of possibility that that actually happens. Just and some of it is the Thunder are playing very, very well. You know they've been since January first. Uh, Joe Masato's wrote a piece about this, but since uh, January first, they've been like the best team of this like clumped up bunch. I know, teams. and it, that's the thing. Like everything is telling us we should believe in this team. 
Yeah, the, like the the numbers say it. The way yeah. that they played, their like togetherness, like after that Phoenix game when they're all huddled up and like Nick Gallo's over there not accepting high fives from J Dub. Like you're like <laughs> this should all make us so excited, but we're just like there's still like we're just like a little bit timid. We're just like I don't know. Well, but, but also at the same yet. time, I'm watching a game in March and Olivier Saar is playing 19 minutes, and so like my brain is like, well, this. This doesn't make sense. This can't make sense. Yeah, this can't be like, a team. Libyasar wasn't even good at Kentucky. Like, how is that guy out here? Like, what's going on here? So, yeah. So I, I, I am getting closer to like just allowing myself to be all in. I mean, I've been choose dumb this whole time. Yeah. But it's always been a thing where I, I, I believe in this team as a play-in team because I don't believe in the teams around them. Yeah. The next step is actually just believing in this team as a playoff team. Totally. Because they're just good. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from the chat from Josie Cook. Where does the season uh, from SGA rank all time amongst Thunder seasons? Wow. I mean, he's um, going to be... I think he's going to be first team All-NBA. I think that unless something crazy happens, I think he's going to make first team All-NBA. I think it'll be he and Luca. That I mean, there. so off the top of my head, obviously the KD MVP year, the Russ MVP year, and yeah. the Paul George third in the MPP voting year. Yeah, is this um, better than the Paul George year? I guess would be my question after you say that. <sighs> I mean, it's m- more impressive just because of the expectations of the team. Yeah, and the, like um, the, the age of the team. The, yeah. yeah, and he is like the number one A guy. On the team, whereas Paul George at that point, I mean, we're just we're coming off of the MVP season with Westbrook a, a couple of years prior, yeah. and so we still look at those guys as like one A, one B. Yeah. Whereas Shea is the clear leader, has so much on his plate night to night, and especially offensive responsibility. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe I would push it above the PG year. Now there's probably KD years where he didn't win MVP that should be included here yeah because kd was basically amazing every single season in okc i I think it's probably a top five top six season in thunder the other thing is russ i was thinking about this uh for us for a random reason but i wanted to see how many times did russ finish in the top five of mvp voting yeah Um, because everyone only you know they always treat his mvp like it's this outlier anomaly thing he was top five in MVP voting four different times during his career. Yeah. The, the, the rewriting of Russell Westbrook's career is so egregious. And some of those came on those KD teams. Yeah. Where he, where he was getting MVP love. Yeah. He was and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't winning, but he was getting like, you know, fourth and fifth place votes in some of those seasons. Yeah, remember how like Joe Kim Noah's was like, was like so celebrated because he got fifth. And yeah. MVP voting and like Paul George was. I remember Blake Griffin uh, one year. Yeah, like, like those, like those were like wildly celebrated. Like you actually remember them, you know. Yeah. With Russ, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to guess that that was how many times. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to guess it, and it's because people. Part of it is his own fault because his mistakes are so loud and his game is so loud. You saw it last night, the way that he was trying to defend uh, SGA there at the end. Where Shea was just knew he was being way too aggressive and was just like, okay, like if I just dribble, like I know that we have one more foul before we get in the bonus. If I just dribble near you, you're going to foul me. (laughs) And and basically, that's what he did. It didn't look like he had any intent of trying to get a shot off. 
He just knew like this dude <laughs> is so ugly, <laughs> so overly aggressive that he's going to foul me. And it's those moments where you're like, oh man. And then like it just like does something to to like people's brain chemistry when they watch him now and think, was he ever good? And like that just like seeps into people's brains, and it's just wrong. Like it's just absolutely wrong. Yeah, the truth is those mistakes were always there. Yeah. Um, like th- that's just part of it's just the, they were, the Russ experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that now, like the great moments are just fewer. You know. Yeah, they're when, uh, it's a little bit muted, but like he uh, he still had a nice game for them last night. Yeah, he was like, not their problem. You know, no, their problem their problem last night was their three point shooting was the number one. Their okay, listen to this. So this is on uh, cleaning the glass. Their half court offense last night. Oh boy, scored seventy five points per one hundred possessions. Which ranks in the fourth percentile. Fourth. Oh my gosh. Uh, now OKC wasn't much better. They were ninety-five points per hundred possessions just in the half court. Yeah. Um, it was an, and LA it was made an up ugly for offensive it. game. It was a really ugly offensive game. Yeah. Uh, or half glass, uh, glass half full. Andrew it was, a, it was a great defensive battle. <laughs> it was a great defensive grudge battle. match. Yeah. Uh, oh, but man. the other thing that screwed them obviously is the techs. The dude, yeah, which which we were talk legitimately awful. Like we can say as Thunder fans, so weak. And you know, if you want to say the first Terrence Mann tech was like valid because he he was aggressively pointing, I suppose. But that doesn't happen unless they call that stupid tech on Kawhi. Which if that guy had to ref Luca, if that ref had to guard Luca, Luca would play like five minutes every game or Draymond out of every game. Like what Kawhi did. Which is basically just clap because he was pissed off at the ref for making the call. Yeah, like Luca does that every single possession. Yeah, it, Luca does it. Draymond goes. I mean, the whole Warriors team just goes ape every time that things yes. don't go their way. They were go. They were so insane that the entire game against the Thunder, and they were doing things way more egregious than what Kawhi was. I. Honestly, and I feel for bad that for them. to snowball into Terrence Mann being ejected, that made so that made no sense. That made no sense. That's that's a time where you just you you just try to get them to calm down, and if then if they don't calm down and they keep going, then you can give him one tech and say stop. Yeah, but the fact that they eject and I and that's where you know it takes luck to get to where you want to go sometimes. And honestly, that's a little lucky for the Thunder because Terrence Mann was honestly one of the best three players on the court for the Clippers. Yeah, he was. And to lose him, and then the minutes, like basically it just opened up more minutes for guys like Marcus Morris, who was horrible, horrible last night. He, they have to have better options than him. He couldn't defend. His shot wasn't falling. He was just putrid. Last night takes ten shots, makes three of them. Like he just isn't good enough to play out there. Batum wasn't great either. Robert Covington couldn't hit anything. You know, it was it was a struggle for them. And Terrence Mann was one of the guys who had it going. And maybe I mean it's a one point game. Like, like is it crazy to think that Terrence Mann would have made the difference that night? I mean, it's not. Um, and no, then, and then, obviously, like the other piece, which is you don't want to call it luck for the Thunder; you want to call it bad luck for the Clippers, is that Paul George got hurt. And yeah, on a on a weird play. Yeah, he kind of landed weird on his leg and collided with Dort, and it 
it looks bad. I mean, you got to see the replay. They showed the angle where you can kind of see his knee Leg hyper, back. yeah, hy- hyper extend. Uh, he w- couldn't walk on his own power. He left the arena in crutches. He had to have help to get back to the locker room initially. I don't think there's been any reporting on it uh, to this point in the day at ten ten a.m. Central Time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a that that's a huge bummer for the Clippers, um, and you know another piece of like if Paul George is in there at the end of the game, is is there something different? Maybe maybe PG gets that shot. We've seen PG hit clutch shots a well, lot in his career already in that game. And Law Murray wrote about this for the Athletic this morning how. You know, Paul George has had this kind of up and down season because he's just been struggling with these nagging injuries. Yeah. And he eventually gets healthy um, starting at like the early part of March. And he was talking about how in, in some games, like he was throwing down dunks, like after the whistle had blown, just kind of like showing off like that. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of back. Like I can do things that I wasn't able to do a few months ago. Yeah. And in this game. We see him have that poster over Jay Will in the first quarter, and then he had the 360 dunk in half court. Dude, the ha- offense. The, the 360 half court was so sick. It was and that was vintage he, PG. The point being, like he's he was clearly feeling good, mm-hmm. and he was playing really well for that team. And for it to happen like that, just I mean, it could potentially be devastating for them. I mean, you hope, and Giannis has probably spoiled us in this sense because we saw Giannis have a similar in, in, injury and come back and play really well in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, when Giannis was coming back, he knew there was like a limited number of games he needed to have to be able to play. Yeah. Whereas like if Paul George comes back, I mean, they still theoretically have the entire play, a, a playoff run ahead of them. Yeah. And, and that's the part that's scary. So I, I would assume that they're going to take their time with him yeah. and not rush him back um, because Giannis came back, I think like within seven days, yeah, him having that hyper, it was hyperextension. Insane. It I think insane. the best case scenario for them is if they can hold him out to the playoffs and just kind of hold on the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, their schedule isn't crazy, but having to do it without Paul George, I mean, Kawhi's just going to have to play, you know, 40 minutes a night. I was going to say, that's games. kind of the scary thing. Said now it's like, hey, Kawhi, you have to be healthy. And you have yeah. to play a ton to deliver. Because they're not us. playing yeah. like the best of the best, but they're playing all teams that have something to fight for, except for Portland's second to the last game. Like they have yeah. OKC again, Pelicans, Bulls, Memphis, Memphis, Pelicans, Lakers, Portland, Phoenix. Yeah. You know, other than Portland, all those teams are still feel like they're in it and are fighting for something. And so it's it's not going to be the easiest schedule. Yeah. And this, At the same time, they a lot of those are home games. I think, let's see, they have five home games versus four away games. So they could potentially go like 500 the rest of the season, which is what they'd probably need to do. Yeah. But even still, like that, that is a huge blow. And there's still the possibility that this is more serious than that. I mean, that's like best case scenario, I feel like. Worst case scenario is he's just like done for the season. And that's another Clippers season just lost to time. Yeah. I mean... You could easily see the Clippers fall to the play-in. Yeah, and then it gets super dicey. And then we saw what happened in the play-in with them last year. They were favored in every game they played. They played two games. They lost them both. Bird night. Bird night. And they could be playing 
who knows if the if OKC moves up, they could be playing the Warriors. They could be playing Dallas with Luca coming back healthy. They yeah. could be playing the Lakers with LeBron coming back healthy. I mean, this is just a such a massive game for them, and for it to end the way it did yeah. with all the long term implications is just huge for their franchise. Yeah, uh, and you feel bad because you saw Steve Ballmer on the sidelines, Andrew. He after one of those Westbrook dunks, he was going nuts. He was having a great time early in that game. But I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's you gotta cool. get the new uh, toilet drop. Cool. Yeah, I. I've been delaying the toilet drop. Toilets! <laughs> Toilets! It's so funny. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and right after that, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some play-in scenarios. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Al, currently the Thunder sit at seventh in the Western Conference because, yeah. they, because they own the tiebreaker. Because... 
of the Isaiah Joe Isaiah game. Joe game. Yes, it all goes back to the tinkering. This yes. is we, we were talking about the tiebreaker with the Dallas Mavericks. They played three times this season. The OKC has the two one edge, and it is because of that sixteen point comeback with five minutes left. When that was like really our first Isaiah Joe experience. Yeah, and was- they kind of just threw him in. Because they were down 16, or at least that's the way it felt watching it. Yeah, it was. And just... then all of a sudden he goes nuclear, and they get they get it to overtime, and they get that win, and now they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, Isaiah Joe touches God, and now they have the tiebreaker. Um, you look, so they would play the Mavericks in a seven eight. It would be a home play in game for the Thunder against the Mavericks, yeah. who are uh, a mess mostly because of injuries. Uh, some because of the the Kyrie trade has just kind of left them with not as many options. So that would be an interesting one. They don't have as many defensive options. You know, if they have Dorian Finney-Smith still on the team, you know, that would be very helpful to them. Um, that would be a very interesting matchup. I would f- fear Luka <laughs> in a play-in yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and fear Kyrie in a play-in game. Um but that would be interesting. If they lost that game, they would still get another play-in game, another shot at it, which is the benefit of being 7-8, is that you have still get in another, another shot. home game. Yeah, in another home play-in game, and it would be against Minnesota or Utah. And to be honest, I feel pretty good about either one of those teams right now. Um, I don't know that those two teams will be the actual teams, but let's just say this is the scenario, Al. If the season ended today, which would be so weird, but if it did, uh, what would your prediction be for OKC? Um, I would probably favor them in, in to win one of those two games. That's yeah. the, that's the nice thing about that seven seed, yeah. getting the two, guaranteed two home games if you need them. One, it would be incredible to have that atmosphere twice in OKC. Yeah. Would be yeah because we we just started to see it with the Suns game, and yeah. it would be that you know ratcheted up even a few more notches yeah. if they got to a playing game yeah so it would be hard for me to not favor them like the only reason you wouldn't favor them is because in the same way that like I'm I'm still struggling to buy into OKC as like yeah this is like a definite <laughs> playoff team our brains our brains are like left in the past right now Al. These other teams, I'm like giving the benefit of the doubt to, which just because they've be wanted doing. it, like, they've wanted it all year, and they've like been planning for this, except for the Jazz. Everybody for else, jazz. everybody else is like, obviously, Dallas, who who made the Western Conference Finals last year, Minnesota, who made a giant trade this past summer to get Rudy Gobert and to upgrade their roster, and you thought, oh man, this is definitely a top six team in the West. Like, nope. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's so insane. Just like like Dallas, like we talked about, yeah, we're scared of Luka. At the same time, like they have not been good with Luka and Kyrie. Like they have not been world beaters. And their defense is terrible. And so even in that type of a matchup, yeah, maybe you favor Dallas, but I also think it's going to be close because OKC is going to be able to score. I'm I'm looking more at that six seed, Andrew. If we can get there and have a series against the Kings, who I don't, Ugh. I would, I would favor the Kings, but that would just be like so much fun in the playoffs to play the Kings. I would, who, I would want to travel for that series so badly. One to be in the building for the first Kings playoff game in yeah. sixteen years 
would be a ridiculous experience. It would be so much fun. Um, and then to be back in Paycom, former Chesapeake Energy Arena, for the first playoff game since Russell Westbrook, or not, not since Russell Westbrook. Well, the first playoff game in the arena, yeah, since Russell Westbrook, because yeah. they played in the bubble. Um, in the bubble. Like that would also be ridiculous. And is it impossible that the Thunder pull? I think the Thunder have the best player in that series. And when you have the best player in the series, you know, you wish you had Kenrich in that matchup. Obviously, you wish you had Chet, but uh, we got Sar. So who knows? Yeah, we got the final piece, Olivier Sar. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Sar time. Um, it's really that that game on Thursday is is huge now because if they win that, they move to I think a half game back of the Clippers, and and then it becomes like very real. Yeah. Whereas right now, like they're still a game and a half back. You know, the teams above them. I mean, it's you know, it's Golden State. It's like, <laughs> how, how? Yeah. How, how am I going to favor the Thunder over Golden State? Yeah. So, you know, they keep surprising me. You know, it's gone from me believing that like, oh yeah, they can definitely be the 10th seed. Look at these teams around them. To now it's like, oh yeah, they definitely could be in that 7-8 spot. And now I'm trying to like make that final jump to like, no, they're good enough to be the 5 or 6 seed and and arguably should be based yeah. on their closing schedule. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, you know, when this team started the rebuild, the one, it hasn't been that long. It's been two seasons that they were tanking. And now that's over. And you look up because because teams like Denver and Phoenix and the Clippers and the Warriors were so good whenever we were tanking, it's hard to imagine the Thunder ever competing with them. Because it's like, well, like it also just feels like, man, we just got here. <laughs> you know, like we, we just got here. How are we supposed to beat these teams that have cemented themselves? as really good teams in the West, but... And and that's where it feels, it does feel like that 50-win season. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of debate about whether, like, oh, should we even bother making the plan? Like, this team needs to pivot and try to maximize their pick. Yeah. Um, but the longer the season goes on, yes, they're not going to be winning 50 games. But the surprise, like, the, the, uh, the sense of arrival... Yeah. from the way in which this season is playing out does have some similarities to that 50 win season. Yeah. Like that team was better uh, at that time. I mean, they won 50 games in a very tough Western conference, but the way this team has similarly come out of nowhere and, and arguably even more out of nowhere, because mm -hmm. even back then, like we still felt really highly about Kevin Durant by that point. Yeah. Going into that season, yeah. Westbrook, it no was question. still like, I mean, that was Westbrook's second year or was that his? Yeah, that was his second yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, his, his future was still up in the air, but yeah, this team just continues to surprise me and gets me super excited. And you look at last night's game. We mentioned Isaiah Joe. We talked about Shea a little bit, but so many different guys had just solid games for them. Yeah. I mean, Josh Giddy, I thought had a really solid game. Yeah. Um, On both ends. He, I thought he played really well yeah he had a couple like legitimate offensive possessions against paul george mm -hmm. um yeah. and then j-dub you know bouncing back from that Suns game where he did kind of disappear through moments of that game 
to come back and have, you know, 20 points on eight of 15 shooting, yep. eight rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. <laughs> and, ju- and some really loud plays, too. Yeah. J-Dub has had – he just has these cathartic dunks where you're just – like when you're watching, you're just like, yes. Like you just like, f- like feel the emotion of the way that he's playing. And I, I did a podcast with Sam Vecini yesterday. It came out this morning. Um, it was live on YouTube yesterday, but the actual podcast podcast came out this morning. And there was a question posed to us in the chat. We talked a little bit about like contenders, but then we mostly talked about the Thunder. And a question was posed in the chat, like how many current All-Star, how many All-Stars are on the current Thunder roster, including Chet? Um, not talking about a trade for a future All-Star. Yeah. And the the number was over under three and a half. And <laughs> That's a high number. Do you know what Sam Bassini said? Did he say over? He said over. Who would be the fourth? So, Shay, picked- J-Dub, Chet, yeah. and Giddy. Wow. So he- I, I, I can't get there with Giddy. So, yet. the argument was, he said, listen, he's 20 years old, 16, 8, and 6. He said, players that are 20 years old that do that are all-star level players. I I agree. Technically, but like there's so many guys that are going to be hitting these like stat qualifiers in this era. True. True. That I I I I just I just can't get there right now with Giddy. I, I obviously I like Giddy. Yeah. But an all-star in the Western Conference when they only take 12 guys, like that is a super high bar. Yeah. He th- and so part of the qualifier with that for him was maybe it's maybe Giddy's not on the Thunder when he does it. Yeah, um, yeah. Or maybe Giddy is an all-star one year and J-Dub isn't an all-star that year. You know, it, right. it's not like you're getting all four in the same season. Like the, uh, like the Hawks? Yeah. It would, they would have to win like 65 games or something, you know, right. and just be the runaway best team in the league. And all four of them are just running on all cylinders. But, I mean, Sam, I mean, Sam Vecini was saying some stuff on this podcast <laughs> you should go listen to it it would it's make fun when other people say it because then i don't have i don't have like the pressure of it because we watch this team every night and we've like lived these past three years yeah night in night out yeah yeah and yeah. so it's 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 just hard for me to make that like final leap like i just kind of want to see it first but they keep i mean recently they've just been proving it night after night after night yeah 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 i i've i don't know Giddy's been impressing, really impressive lately, and the fact that he's so young and is getting stronger. and And there was a moment where he really used his strength. I can't remember who was defending. It was either Kawhi or Paul, and he just bumped them out of the way to shoot this like floating hook. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Like, what does a twenty five year old Josh Giddy look like? Dude, I think he might be. I mean. If he gets bigger, like, doesn't it make sense for him to be next to Chet potentially? Yeah, I think so. I mean, cer- certainly guarding fours, you know, makes sense for his future just because I think it's going to get harder for him to guard wings. And we yeah. saw last night that Kawhi was like, please, that guy now, you know. Um, Which is weird because I actually thought Giddy had like a pretty nice defensive game for He did. He did. 
<laughs> which which we should point out like this is kind of the perfect team for giddy to defend because it's like so many older slower i was gonna vets. say no no guy that's can actually like, blow by him you know that's when yeah, you like, do get worried maybe about, if like, you get matched up on westbrook in transition it's gonna look bad like maybe terrence Mann could do something too but he sure. of course he was ejected yeah like the rest of those guys on that team you're like okay giddy can probably hold up in yeah. this scenario yeah yeah i i think you know sam was is like completely sold on jada being like a star player period which it's i agree with not it's hard not to be it would honestly be a disappointment at, at you know today if he didn't get there because he's on that trajectory i mean shooting 50 percent from the field you know averaging what he has over the last you know since january or whatever i mean he's been ridiculous he's been an all-star level player as a rookie and like give him a full summer of training like NBA level training, and like he's definitely a second year guy that I don't think should play summer league. <laughs> you know, there's there's that level of player where you're like, oh yeah, they don't, no, they don't need to go to summer league. You know, they yeah, put Trey back out there. Yeah, put Trey Man back out there. <laughs> don't do not make Jada play summer league. Maybe he'll want to. You know, like Giddy did. Like Giddy really wanted to play, but he's had a a better rookie season than Giddy. I mean, he's just been a and and it's just easy to see his game translating and him becoming this, you know, Vicini on a on a pod last week kind of threw out the the idea that he's like a Luca light or a combination of Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown. You know, it's like boy, like if the, that's where you feel good about them making it now, and why they're declaring themselves now. And you don't feel like, oh man, they really needed one more guy. Like I look at this draft, and I, I don't think necessarily they need to have one of those guys in the top eight. You know, if you could get in the top three, like yeah, you feel great about that. Awesome, cool. But if they landed at like seven or eight, is that guy really changing the trajectory of the Thunder? Like I'm not so sure. And I do think there's a lot of really good guys in this draft through like 20. And so if they can they can still find somebody in the range they're going to be picking that can help, or they can make a trade to get to whoever they really want at like nine or whatever. Like those picks yeah. can be available. So I don't. I mean, I really feel really good about the core group of SGA, J Dub, Giddy, Chet. Throw Dort in there. Throw Isaiah Joe in there. However you feel about J Will or whoever else. They can fill in those other pieces with the draft picks that they have, either through the draft or through trade, and you feel really good about that because they have so many. And I think they have the the stars that they have been wanting. I think that they're here. I think two of them are on the roster now, perhaps three, and then I think the third or fourth is going to start next year. I mean, I've been I've been watching Chet, and you just start to get real crazy real crazy in your brain because this guy looks so good and the foot looks healed he looks like somebody that's going to contribute at a high level if he can shoot anywhere like he was the other day in front of everybody in OKC i mean he made like 23s in a row yeah and you're just like oh my gosh <laughs> what is what what is this going to be next year you know and there things there's a lot to talk about before we get there, but 
you you definitely can feel yourself going to crazy places, especially after a game like that last night, where it's Shea who's getting whatever he wants. It's J Dub with twenty points. You know, Dort shutting down Kawhi there at the end of the game. It was just uh Yeah, what what do you think the over under will be next season based on just on based on what we know right now? Yeah. Like what would it have to be for people to bet the under? To bet the under, maybe like forty seven to bet the under. Wow. I was thinking like if I had to predict right now, I would guess it'll be like somewhere around because it's always a number where if you're a fan of that team, you're like, how would they not get over like, that? Of course like, they're going to get there. Yeah. You add Chet, that's obviously a couple more wins. I was, I'm thinking like right. 43 and a half or 44 and a half, something like in that range, where it seems like obvious, like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, they might win 43 this year, though. <laughs> is that? Yeah, I guess that is. Because they're at, no, that would be crazy. That would be seven more wins. I mean, I guess they could do it. <laughs> <laughs> they won eight out of their last ten. Nine, ten. Yeah, ten games left. They'd have to go seven and three. I mean, if they went seven and three, would you be floored? Would I be floored? So I'm. I. They'd have to win those four games in the middle, and then they'd have to win three other games out of the other six. They have to go five hundred against like the good teams. Yeah, is that too much to ask? It feels like a lot to ask right now, but. Let's say they just win one out of the next three. The Let's say they ten, lose so to the Clippers Thursday. Kawhi is a supernova, and then they lose to the Lakers. They beat the they beat the Portland Trailblazers. All right, so they need to basically they could only lose one more game, I guess. Which yeah, which would be tough. But I think they could get to forty. I think they can get to five hundred by the end of the season or forty two wins. Yeah, you know, because like I, I, I think. Here's the thing is that we haven't seen a true competitive Thunder team like this in March when April before. Um, and we should we should bring up that uh Dignall, before yesterday's game, I forget what the exact quote was, but he basically said we're more open to Shea playing second nights of back to back. Yeah, they're not ruling forward. it out that he's responding well to the treatments and which basically is Shea's beaten down the door to play in both of these LA games is, is what I would guess. Yeah, because you have the second night uh, against the Lakers on Friday, and yeah. then you also have a second night um, against Detroit, which that one's at home. You know, Charlotte, Detroit, back to back. Yeah, yeah. If he plays in both of those games, for one, Andrew, we might get to seventy games for Shea. Yeah, this season. Yeah, which uh, all in just... all in be Shea, man. All in be Shea, dude. I mean, we, we've all seen the stuff on Twitter, online, from the, a variety of people who have just been talking about, you know, Shea's injuries, doing the conspiracy theory thing. If we can get to the end of the season and he's, you know, 70-plus games played, mm-hmm. it's just going to feel so gratifying. Feel and feel that's why I haven't really, you know, done victory laps yet because I, I yeah. want to see it through to the end. You know, I want to see him hit that 70-game mark. Yeah. And for him to have this amazing season – and just to see what the reaction is. <laughs> I've, been, I've been patiently, patiently waiting for it. He's making first team all NBA. Like the tank is over. We can we can officially declare it. It's been I mean, declared. there were questions even up until a few weeks ago. You know, even when, la- when Mark first came out with that statement that we're gonna manage him moving forward. Hey, J- Jay sat in this chair, not in this chair, yeah, but in this chair. spot two <laughs> weeks ago. Warm. And and said that 
the Thunder are going to tank the rest of the season. And I tried yeah, really so hard. That, that was only I, two I, weeks ago. So it, I, with these last two games, but especially the game against the Clippers, I feel yeah. like we can finally officially yeah. say. I felt like you weren't ready to jump on the bandwagon yet until last night. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Not not in terms of like, I didn't feel like they were uh, like hard tanking. Yeah, or, no, no, no. Just for like, like this season. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It definitely took that that Clippers game where it, I finally feel like, okay, the tank is in the rearview mirror. It pushed like me over. there too. We yeah. can we can now like do a retrospective podcast at some point of just the tank years yeah. because it's done. Those two years, which I were barely two years because of the shortened schedules. Yeah. It's over. Like yeah. that was it was really just one year that fans had to truly endure it because they couldn't even go to the games the first year. In retrospect, it was kind of just like the perfect rebuild. Yeah. Because yeah. remember how we were talking about this at the beginning? You know, we were using which we only the only one we really had as a as a model was the Sixers. And I forget with them, it was like four years, I think. Yeah. And that final year, they won like 28 games. They like finally started to look like a, a team. But that was four years. So we were anticipating, like, this is going to be multi-year. Yeah. And even early in this season, we were thinking, okay, this is going to be the final year. It's going to end up being three years. And you look around the league at some of these other teams who have been down there with Oklahoma City, and for them to have made this jump so fast yeah. is just so gratifying, Andrew, to... <laughs> To have gone from the black eye of the league to now have uh, Justin Termini is going to be forced to talk about this team, Andrew, in a positive way. How good does that feel? He's going to be forced. He won't be able to ignore it. It feels because good. they're going to be in a play-in matchup. He's going to have to. He's going to have to think of something else to say about the team. It's going to be great. It it's was only so great. It was only like now. We're not, none of us listened to it. Yeah, but well, none of us will hear it, but it'll be great. We didn't, I didn't even know he existed before <laughs> these past couple of years. Never heard his show once, but still, I'm assuming someone will listen to his show and we'll hear about it. Oh, man. Yeah, this it's crazy. And I think it's just like on our show. I mean, the the infamous Thursday pod was only like a year and change ago. You know, was that the summer league pod? The summer league pod, where like yeah. Giddy goes out and Trey Man had to leave the team too for whatever yeah. reason, and then and we were trying to get hyped. People were trying to get me hyped about Aaron Wiggins, and I was People like, "Come on, fifty fifth pick." And in retrospect, we should have been pretty hyped about Aaron Wiggins. We we should have, but <laughs> at the time, good. it was like. I just watched terrible basketball for months and months, and now you're trying to get me yeah. hyped about a 55th pick. We could have done this without being <laughs> terrible for all this time. We could, have got, we could have traded up for a 55th pick. Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. And to think, and, and one, I mean, just the insane trades that Presti pulled off with Paul George and Russ, are like that set the table, obviously, for this whole thing to be in motion. The fact that they had Shea to start the rebuild. I mean, the Thunder have not... The Thunder have never had a season without a either star or potential star on their team. Never, it's never happened. Totally, because that I mean that could have been uh, that could have been like Michael Porter Jr. that the Clippers had drafted. Yeah, and Ju- and Justin Robinson, and we're trading for MPJ, who good player, yeah, but feel, like he, yeah, you'd feel fine about it. But he's not your number one or number two or even number. Honestly, he's like a questionable number three building block. You know, right? Yeah, 
yeah, it's it's really worked out amazingly well. Yeah, and it's just wild to think about because of how much, sh- uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? How much crap they've gotten? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, throughout yeah. this period, and it's it was. This is what you would want if you were, especially if you're a small market team. Yeah. And you ask, you know, uh, we're kind of coming to the end of whatever era we're in. What would be the ideal outcome? You would point to OKC at this point, regardless of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Like for them to have this turnaround in two years and to make it back to the playoffs. I mean, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but the average time it takes for a team who falls out of the playoffs to get back, like they're they're on the better side of that average. Oh, they, they, uh, they're they actually skewing the average now. Yeah. They have skewed the average because I think it's like five or six seasons. Yeah. Is, is what the average is for teams to get back there. And obviously you have another team skewing that with the Sacramento Kings. Um, <laughs> right. Who are... It's but finally we have a number years. for the Kings. We can, we can stop yeah. counting. Yes. Finally we're there. Um, yeah. yeah. I think... It's pretty. It's pretty insane that they are at this point, and being able to watch this young team develop is. It's been a joy. One, like the guys are all amazing people, which makes it even more fun to root for these guys. Um, I think they fit this city so well. I think this team does, and just the play style, man. Like this is the kind of play style that. You know, after the Westbrook era ended, that you're like, man, I wish we could have a team that you know plays like the 14 Spurs or whatever. Yeah. And, but not where most of the guys are 35 years old. Yeah, yeah. Let's not <laughs> let's not have the the guys, the overweight guys, and the guys that are so yeah. old. As good as they were. Let's yeah. Try to as do much it, fun as that was. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of something special. And it's almost. I mean, you know, when we think about eventually there are going to be books written about the Thunder franchise and the most obvious book to write is about that Katie Russ era. Yeah. Because there were were so many twists and turns. The three MVPs eventually all leaving without a championship. Yeah, yeah. But I think you can already start writing the book on this rebuild because they wrote a book about uh, the Sixers rebuild, which is Mm -hmm. called Tanking to the Top. If you haven't read it, it's really, really good. Yep. But like a book like that about this Thunder team with some behind the scenes stuff I think would be awesome because I do think this will be talked about as like the model rebuild, especially for a small market franchise going forward. Yeah. We're actually going to talk about it on point of contention today. I have it as one of our topics because there was a, there was a piece by Kelly Eco and Sam Vecini that came out on the athletic yesterday. Yeah. And just talking about the Rockets rebuild and the, the final question that, uh, Kelly asked Sam was, what's your confidence level in the success of this rebuild on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 being extremely confident and the success means getting back to the postseason in the next three seasons. So I said, okay, why don't we ask that for all the rebuilding teams, you know, Rockets, Magic, yeah. Thunder, Pistons, Pacers. I'm not going to put the, the Spurs in there yet just because it's only been one year and it's too hard to tell. Um, and then obviously the draft this year is going to, you know, make or break some of these teams. Um, yeah. But if you were to just take the draft out of it, you know, the only team that is going to make it this year is obviously the Thunder. And then you just, like, how do you feel about the Magic and Pistons and Rockets and Pacers? I mean, those are those are typical NBA rebuilds. They take time. 
they have extreme ups and downs. I mean, the Rockets have had extreme ups and downs, you know, um, and that has been it's tough. And like right now, they they've played well lately, but still, like Sam Vecini said, I give my confidence level is a four. You know, yeah, I'm. W- Oh, he just did the Rockets. Because I was going to say, of those teams, yeah. like the Magic are the team that I feel the most confident in outside of OKC, obviously, because I don't think they need to be one of the teams that gets super lucky in the draft yeah. to still be solid next season. Yeah, I mean, they, I, they could end up, you know, I picked them for my surprise team, which obviously isn't going to happen Yeah, uh, because Markel Fultz got hurt, because since he came back, they've has easily been awesome. cleared it. Yeah, Fultz has been But, really you know, good. they're at 30 wins already. Like, they yeah. could get up to, you know, 32 or 33 wins by the end of the season, yeah. and that's like a very solid season so, for yeah. the Orlando Magic. Yeah, if that's what the Thunder did this year, we would say, great. Great progress. Yeah. Like, it was kind really, of what I was expecting. Yeah. So yeah, I feel good about them. The Pacers are are a weird one to me. Um, I just don't know how much of what happened early in the season was real. Um, I, I really like Halliburton. You know, I like Miles Turner. Uh, Matherin was so hot at the beginning of the season yeah. and has cooled off so substantially yeah. that I kind of want to see it again. But they have a good coach. You know, if they get lucky, that's great. They would probably be like the second team. I'm I'm still worried about the Pistons. Yeah. Just because I don't feel like they've had the time to even figure out what they really want to do. Well, I mean, playing Cade and Jay Nivey together with like Jalen Duran and whatever big other big they're going to use, like that's going to take some time to figure yeah. out. And they really haven't had that chance yet outside of those, you know, couple, you know, 20 games or whatever Cade played early in the season. Yeah. And Cade wasn't very good to start the season either. Yeah, um, so they could be a team who starts off rough, kind of like the Magic did this year, and then slowly becomes like a competent thirty-win team, thirty-five-win team by the end of the season. Yeah, and it would, and like the East is not easy. You know, it's not gonna just be; they're not just gonna be a shoe-in to get there because you know the Wizards are always just gonna be kind of hanging around. I think the Pacers are gonna be hanging around. I think the Bulls are still gonna want to be good next year. The Raptors aren't going away. The Hawks aren't going away. The Heat aren't going away. Maybe the Nets will go away, but I don't think they will. I think that they want to just kind of stay afloat. And then obviously, like, Knicks, Cavs, Sixers, Celtics, Bucks are just, like, cemented there. And so, I mean, they're they're at 16 and 57 right now. I mean, they're in year four of the rebuild, and they're at 16 and 57. I mean, that's where – that's – that's honestly probably skews more toward normal rebuild than the Thunders does. Yeah. Can you imagine after year four being 16 and 57 and just being like, oh man. I mean, that's more similar to like the Cavs rebuild where yeah. they were just bad, 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 bad. And then they eventually find the perfect guy. They got and lucky. They, and then they, they make that trade for Jared Allen and yes. it all kind of comes together over one off season. Yeah. That's going to happen for one of these teams. Yeah, um, and they all have cap space, so there's a potential that any one of them could be the team that like all magically figures it out in one off season. Yeah, um, but it's not going to be all of them. No, it won't be all. A couple of them. these teams are still going to be trash next season. Yeah, I think Houston's going to be as. I mean, it, maybe if Houston wins the lottery, maybe they're not. But I still think, you know, they're 18 and 54, and they're they're on the same track as the Thunder. You know, the Thunder have literally doubled the wins of the Houston Rockets right now. Uh, yeah, it's rough for them yeah. down there. Uh, and it feels good. Today's a today's a very fun day to be a Thunder fan. Um, 
There's gonna be there's gonna be pods about us. People are gonna be talking there's about be some the pods. <laughs> there's gonna be pods. Not just this one. There's gonna be other pods you can be, check out. It's gonna be great. Yeah, this is a this is the fun part of being. This is uh, enjoy this time. I just want to just make sure, like, don't get lost in the well in the future if they're gonna have to trade this and do this, or I don't think that they have this piece. Like, just stop and like try your best to enjoy this because this is the actual fun part. There's no pressure on this team. They're competitive. They're really fun. It's a great group of guys. They're easy to get behind. Like, this is the fun part. Enjoy this. Like, don't let yourself get stuck in like team building. Like I can't, they need this. And if they don't have this, it's going to be like, just enjoy it. Like just enjoy it. If they lose in round one, like boy, like I would have never even thought I would be able to say that sentence. And if they lose in the play in, I wouldn't have predicted that either. Like this is all. And honestly, if they lose the play in, you know, the pick improves. So yeah, if they lose in the play in, they get the, they get probably the 13th or 14th pick. I mean, there you go. You're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty good about that. So just just enjoy it. Just en- enjoy the rest of this season. It's going to be really fun no matter what, just because this team is they're actually good. So uh, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We'll be back on Friday. I think the whole FryPod crew will be here. I hope so. Wow. Jay's gonna after, have- a, after a big thunder win, do you think, Andrew, can they get above 500? Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to predict that, but... I think that's probably no PG in that game. Um, I, it would be shocking, honestly, if he played. Um, so It would be. The last time they were above 500. Yeah. They got to 500 with that overtime win over the Mavs to make them 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. And then they won their next game against the Orlando Magic. And that was the last time they were above 500 when they were 4-3. and three. Yeah. Wow. They're going to have a chance. They're going to have a shot. Man, if they... If they win Thursday, the fry pot is going to be absolutely just madness. It's going to be madness. We're going to go to some wild places. <laughs> yeah, the they'll probably be uh, like the sixth seed at that point. They'll probably or, be the sixth like... seed, and then you're looking at Lakers, Blazers, and then that just like cake back-to-back when they get home. I'll <sighs> say this. If you can go, if you live in Oklahoma City, and you have any opportunity to go to any of these home games, like show up. Show up to the arena. Find a way to get a ticket. If you have a friend that has season tickets and you know they're not going, fill those seats. Because when they return home against Charlotte Tuesday, March 28th, like that place better be rocking. That place better be insane. Because this is the kind of team that you get excited for. I mean, you, you know, like in Portland, like people are still showing up to the arena. Yeah, for sure. And people are still loud for this just absolutely garbage Blazers team. Yeah, they were showing up last year when I went to that terrible tank battle. That's the thing. That's the, pe- the thing that people don't get is that fans of other teams that aren't that good still show up. And the Thunder fans honestly have been disappointing. They haven't been showing up to these games the last two years. And that's fine. But now, now is the time to show up. Go to these games. Uh, we will talk to you guys again on Friday.